My name is Kate the Socialite, and you're listening to episode 202 of The Kate Show. And today I'm talking all about geofencing, what it is, should you be using it to grow your business and get more clients, and if not, what should you be doing instead? So we're covering a lot of things today. And I thought this topic was really interesting because it actually came from one of my listeners. And so a month ago, maybe more, I asked all of you on social media if you had anything specific that you wanted me to discuss on the podcast, and you didn't disappoint me. So all summer long, I'm going to be talking about things that you have requested and suggested. And if you think of something that you'd like to hear on the show, please DM me on Instagram. All right, so today, like I said, I'm talking about geofencing. This topic was suggested by one of my agency's wonderful clients and a friend in real life, Georgiana Schwant. Georgiana runs Incredible Windows here in Wisconsin. We actually live really close to each other. It's pretty cool. And what's even cooler is that her Incredible Windows business is her third career. Like, talk about a boss, right? Georgiana's energy is inspiring, her work ethic is extraordinary, and she's keeping her hand on the pulse of this dynamic home industry, and therefore, I really wasn't surprised that she knew, first of all, what geofencing was, and that she wanted me to discuss it. So, Georgie, thank you very much for the topic suggestion. All right, guys, before we get into today's episode, I do want to thank HoneyBook. If you are looking for a professional client workflow that can be automated just as much as your window treatments, you need HoneyBook. Use code SOCIALITE for 50% off your first year. Go to share.honeybook.com forward slash socialite and use the code SOCIALITE at checkout. All right, guys, let's get into all things geofencing. Marketing your interior design or home staging business should be easy and relational. My name is Kate the Socialite, and I believe in action, not just ideas. And I share strategies that have proven to work right here every week. If you're serious about growing your business in the home industry, you're in the right place. Welcome to The Kate Show. Okay, so first of all, what the heck is geofencing? It sounds like a very new age term, and a lot of you might have never heard it before. So a geofence is a virtual fence around a real world location, and that fence could be pretty much any size, large or small. Geofencing is typically used to prompt app interactions when people enter a certain geographic area. So a few examples of this would be increase your foot traffic by sending promotional offers to shoppers as they walk past your storefront, suggest products based on their previous in-app behaviors, improve customer service by capturing feedback or talking to them and um, helping manage your business that way. You can also integrate social sharing to boost brand awareness. And then you can, this is my favorite term, geoconquest competitors by building geofences around your competitors' locations and then you push incentivized content to redirect their potential customers to leave them and come over to you. Whoa, that's a little maniacal. Yeah. <laughs> you might guess by my tone that I, I'm not a huge fan of geofencing. I think that it is, it is a very interesting concept that has little to no application in the home industry, but I'm talking about it because chances are if you haven't gotten a phone call or an email from 
a geofence company yet, you will. And it's good to understand what it is and whether or not it will serve you. For some of you, it might be a good fit. For the majority of you, however, it's not going to be a good fit. It's not going to be a good use of your advertising money. Now, all the use cases that I just listed came from an actual source. I didn't just pull that out of my brain. But there is another source I have called geomarketing.com. So clearly they know what geomarketing is. And they described geofencing this way. They said it's a way to engage consumers based on hyper-local location. And that can do a lot in terms of triggering immediate sales as well as understanding shopper mindset. For example, a store could erect a simple geofence in an area surrounding its physical location. When users pass through, receiving a location-triggered alert or deal makes them considerably more likely to stop in and shop. Alternatively, an auto dealer could set up a geofence aimed at targeting individuals who are leaving a rival dealership after browsing for a vehicle. Sneaky, right? Hitting them with an offer for 0% financing on a comparable car model is more likely to make them comparison shop or at least consider an alternative option. Finally, even if a geofenced offer or notification doesn't provoke an immediate visit or sale, it allows a business to know exactly what location a consumer passed through and where they were when they received the message, which may aid in refining targeting efforts in the future based on what communications were most successful. So basically, geofencing is building walls around your competitors, which, hey, rude, not exactly fair, and it also involves monitoring the behavior, both physical behavior and device behavior of your potential clients. Also rude, huh? Like I, I am just not a fan of this, but of course I'm the type of person who hates getting text message notifications and I hate it when I just think about something I need to buy and then for some reason I see a Facebook ad for it right away. Like seriously, Facebook? Stop it. <laughs> uh, and this is a similar tactic. Makes people feel very uncomfortable. I don't recommend it. But of course, we're still going to have this conversation. So the big question is, does geofencing apply to home industry businesses? Well, if you're creating an app, if you're hosting an in-person event, like a really big event, like a conference or something, or if you're selling retail at a physical location, then maybe geofencing can be helpful to you. It will send a text or an app notification to anyone within your predefined physical parameter. However, geofencing isn't actually marketing. And it's hilarious because some people call it geomarketing, but it's advertising. It's meant to share quick announcements, notifications, or sales, and it's not a replacement for relationship-based marketing. And by the way, relationship-based marketing is how 99.9% .9 of all home professionals get their new clients because it comes from word-of-mouth referral or it comes from having good SEO. To use geofencing safely, you'll have to make sure each person who's receiving your text messages or notifications has knowingly opted themselves in first. Permission-based advertising is the hallmark of a professional brand, and advertising to someone without their consent on their device constitutes spam, and it will not result in new clients. Now, speaking of clients, will your client feel harassed or will they feel helped if they receive a message from you every time they pass by your physical location? Will that make them feel stalked or will they think it's cool? Only you can answer this for yourself. So the big question remains, should designers, stagers, and organizers use geofencing? 
Well, you guys know my opinion on this. <laughs> I would never use geofencing. It doesn't have good, reasonable, or proven application for service-based high-end or custom businesses. It also tends to make people feel like they're just another phone number on your list, which can actually damage the real relationship you should be building with them through your marketing. Advertising, whether it's a social media ad or a geofencing strategy, should only be used if it fits your business model and makes sense for your ideal client. If you're running a custom service-based business in the home industry, you do have other advertising and marketing options at your disposal that will come across a lot more professionally and avoid making your potential clients feel like they're being digitally stalked. Because heaven knows, we do not need any more quote-unquote big brother behavior in our lives. Our smartphones take care of that all by themselves. Harkening back to my comment about Facebook ads, it's really suspicious. In short, here are three reasons to avoid geofence advertising strategies. Number one, the size of a geofence for a typical service-based home industry business would have to be massive and costly, since most of you guys serve entire cities or multiple states and provinces. Number two, geofencing doesn't make much sense unless you have a physical storefront that receives traffic as well as a branded app for your business. Number three, an ideal client looking to spend some serious money with you is going to be put off by abrasive advertising tactics like text alerts. This episode of The Kate Show is brought to you in part by Socialite Vault. Did you guys know we give away free marketing templates in the vault? That's right, you don't have to be a member to test drive these templates. Just go to socialitevault.com and click on the freebies tab. These templates are specific to designers, stagers, workrooms, and organizers. They're beautiful and easy to edit in Canva. Go to socialitevault.com to grab your templates now. To be fair, here are a few reasons to consider geofencing. Number one, you have a storefront that depends on foot traffic, and your business also has an app. Number two, you have a very specific geographic area, meaning traveling more than a few minutes from your storefront is not part of your business model. Number three, your retail products are lower priced and befitting of interruption advertising. Because really, anytime you get into text message marketing, again, it's not marketing, it's advertising, it's interruption-based, especially if it's also location-based. And that does not befit a really high-end service or product. Now, if you decide to try geofencing, do yourself a huge favor by setting up a sales funnel that can serve the people who opt into your messages or notifications first. Nothing sells consistently without a sales funnel. Even the best geofencing strategy will fall flat if you don't have a plan in place to convert the leads that you might gain. So geofencing by itself is not a sales funnel. It's just a tool. It's like a social media ad. You can't run an ad and then expect to get new clients. You have to run an ad for your lead magnet, get people to opt into the lead magnet, and then get them into your mailing list. That's where they convert. doesn't really matter what type of business you own. That's how all of it works. That's why... Nine out of 10 marketers would rather part with social media than with email marketing because email marketing works. You guys know this. So what are some advertising alternatives to geofencing? Well, there's a few. You could do an interview or a project showcase in your local shelter magazine. You could run an ad in the printed publication for specific neighborhoods you'd like to target because many high-end communities have these publications. It's basically the original geofence. You can market to or advertise to a very specific group of homeowners and you don't have to use any fancy technology to do it. 
You can also have signage on your work vehicles that says who, what, and where regarding your business because then you're advertising literally just in the places that you want to work or the places that you're already going. And that actually is really smart. If I had a location-based business, I would totally have signage on my vehicles. Uh, makes no sense for me to do that because my agency works internationally, but still, for those of you who have specific locations you're targeting, if your vehicles are not wrapped, you need to do something about that. So guys, regardless of whether or not you think geofencing is worth your hard-earned money, make sure that you have a sales funnel set up to handle the leads that you might get. And if you choose not to use geofencing, but you still have a location-based business, whether it's a studio or a storefront, or you just don't want to travel for work, then you need to be looking at your SEO. SEO is something that you do not have to pay for every single month. And if you are, you need to look at the reports your SEO company is sending you because I have spoken to quite a few of you who have been paying for that service and your reports are full of zeros or you tell me you're not sure what the reports even mean. And I get it. Those spreadsheets are big and they're complicated. And unfortunately, some of that looks to be, well, dare I say it, perhaps intentional because it's easy to get someone to pay for something if they feel like only the person they're paying understands it. That's why they need that, that person or that agency. But that's not true. If you don't understand your own analytics, you need to have them explain it to you. And if they can't explain it to you, if they cannot prove that their efforts are directly contributed to your business, then you need to make a decision of whether or not to pull the plug on that. So again, you don't need to pay for SEO every month. There's literally nothing any agency could do for you that would contribute to your SEO every month. If they keep adding new pages to your website, that's not necessarily helping. Your website should have SEO built into it at the same time the website itself is being built. Now, if you need to have the SEO added later, that's fine. There are plenty of SEO consultants who can do that. And they'll even tell you this is a one-time service. And then if your business changes, you know, there's some, a maintenance package that you can do with us. Um, and that's reasonable. But when your website has correct SEO, that's like pouring the foundation for a house. You don't pour a foundation for the same house every single month. Instead, you build on the foundation, which means that if you have a website with good on-site SEO, your next logical step would be to start blogging once a month and pin those blog posts on Pinterest. It would be to use Google Search Console and Google Business Listings and Google Analytics because all those things contribute to your search engine optimization. But having good SEO is not the end all be all, just like having followers on social media doesn't mean your business is gonna grow. You have to have the next logical step in place. SEO gets people to your website, fantastic, but what then? Well, then people are either gonna contact you right away through your contact form, or more likely than not, they're just in the research phase and they're not ready to contact you. That's why you need to have a lead magnet to capture the people who are kind of in between. They like you, they just can't contact you quite yet. You have to have a lead magnet that is specific to your ideal client and specific to the main services or service that you want to offer. When people sign up for that lead magnet, they should be sent a welcome email that tells them a little bit more about you, what you do, your locations or areas served or whatever. 
and then they should get a monthly email newsletter from you because this is just enough to keep you top of mind with them and to entertain or inspire or educate them without irritating them. Because the last thing you want to do is work hard at getting someone to your website and then into your lead magnet mailing list only to have them unsubscribe because you're emailing them every week. Email them once a month, okay? It's more than enough. And then they will start replying to your newsletter and they will start hiring you. And I know that because I see it happen with our clients all the time, even if they have a tiny mailing list of 12 people. What we're also seeing is that if you have that small mailing list, someone on your list can easily forward your newsletter to someone who's not on your list, and that third party ends up hiring your business. That is because email marketing is word of mouth referrals put on steroids and modernized for the modern age. A little redundant, I know. But that is what a sales funnel looks like, and that's why it doesn't matter if your leads are coming from social or from in-person interaction or from SEO, you still have to have the same sales funnel in place after that to convert leads. Otherwise, you're going to spend a lot of time marketing and advertising and not get a return on your investment. All right, guys. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening and be sure to tune in for our, the next episode of The Kate Show. Until then, keep your marketing simple and your message clear. Thanks for listening. Visit us at thekateshowpodcast.com where we empower home professionals with marketing confidence.